Hello, this is Josh Belk with the Belkon Business Podcast. Hope you are having a wonderful day. On today's podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about civil fraud as it relates to tax fraud. And uh, I know it's a topic that, uh, you know, isn't probably all that uh, popular, one that we really care to think much about, but I think it's, um, I think it's a really good uh, foundation that can provide us as business owners a little bit of an understanding of some areas we need to make sure that we're focusing on as it relates to really especially our manner of activity and our record keeping. So I'm going to kind of use this topic a little bit to try to um, uh, educate, maybe more remind uh, the uh, the listener as to um, some of the expectations the IRS has as it relates to uh, to us as business owners, um, uh, as it relates to our to our way that we operate in our business, the way that we keep our records, especially, and and hopefully this will uh, provide a little bit more of an understanding, a little bit of a broader understanding as to those expectations. Of course, we just had uh, yesterday, as I recorded this, um, a, a law passed, uh, and it's essentially it's providing um, some funding for the IRS to hire in excess of eighty thousand employees over the next uh, number of years. And, uh, and of course, it's um, uh, there are some tax increases that are going into place. It's going to affect uh, m- most Americans, and so I, I'm not really perceiving there's uh, really a whole lot of uh, kind of great things in this. And, and we'll talk about the uh, the, the tax side of it uh, in another podcast. But uh, for for today, really kind of understanding that uh, one of the uh, goals of this particular piece of legislation was to try to get the IRS more help. Now, as a tax professional, as someone who has to deal with the IRS, I'm. it would be kind of nice if there was some support there. But I think, uh, unfortunately, I think a lot of the emphasis uh, behind this was more on the enforcement side than on a, the more of the customer service side, actually getting people to answer phones, et cetera, trying to get help to the taxpayers and to the tax professionals as well. Um, so um, a lot of uh, what we're seeing is, I think, an emphasis on, on uh, more on the enforcement side than on the actual kind of customer service uh, side of the IRS. Now, as a little bit of a, of a, a background, uh, we kind of go back and look at 1955. The tax code was about 929 pages. Now the tax code is over 6,600 pages. So it's a rather large uh, document and, and one that, um, to be honest with you, even as someone who's been in the field of, of taxes for decades, uh, still really only really truly understand kind of a, a great working knowledge of a portion of it. Uh, there's there's parts vast parts of the tax code I don't work in a whole lot and of course we would refer a lot of that if we run into a situation uh, we refer that that particular help off to a to another accountant that might have more experience in that area so there's no way in the world I think that for most if not all business owners uh, that aren't in this day in and day out really aren't going to have a the, the level of working knowledge uh, to where they're going to get everything right but I think there are, as we look at these uh, kind of 11 kind of rather common areas that the IRS will look into as it relates to uh, tax fraud. And if, if we're running into a situation to where a, a taxpayer is operating in a way that could be considered fraudulent or there may be fraudulent intent, then, uh, of course, that particular taxpayer is uh, – and those penalties can be quite severe. Uh, and hopefully it's not never a situation you have to deal with. However, uh, as we kind of walk through this, I'm going to try to give you some helps as it relates to – uh, to, to making sure you have a good understanding of some of the, the record-keeping requirements or the manner active, of activity requirement that the IRS generally looks at. First of all, uh, dealing in cash. So, uh, of course, nowadays, um, you know, my, my business, I have an accounting firm, one of the number, a few businesses that I have, but I have an accounting firm, my primary business. And, and in our firm, uh, back when I first started, I used to do a lot of individual returns, and I have clients come in and they would pay me cash. 
Nowadays, I could probably count on one hand. Uh, since we di uh, deal primarily with businesses, I can pretty much count on, on uh, one hand uh, the number of times that a client may give us cash during the course of the year. But there are businesses that they still operate very heavily in cash. And uh, but it's just not um, just kind of the, just the cash side as far as receiving cash, but also the way that we deploy the cash. So if you are a cash-based business, you want to make sure, uh, and I think this is true for all businesses, regardless if you're cash or not, uh, but uh, making sure that you have a good point of sale system in place if you're dealing with, uh, with, um, uh, with customers coming in, buying products off the shelf, for example, and, uh, and to go up to a cash register and, and walk out. Make sure you have a really good point of sale system in place uh, that, you, that you invoice your clients. So uh, I know here at the accounting firm, I know with most service businesses, we are going to remit invoices to our clients. So it's just not the invoices, but to make sure that those invoices are sequential as well. So I have a good invoicing system in place. You're, you are billing your customers uh, that you, if you have sequential receipts, so if you have the type of business to where people come in and they pay you and you use kind of those old handwritten receipts, I think it's really good to use those carbon copy uh, books. So the receipts are sequential. If uh, one of the receipts gets messed up, you're writing void on it. And so there is a manner of, uh, of, um, of activity. There is a, a flow, a process as to the way that you receive cash uh, from, from your customers and the way you receive payments uh, from your customers. So in an audit scenario, if uh, they're taking a look at that, they can actually go through, look at those receipts, see that they're sequential, uh, see that you are providing uh, customers receipts, and, uh, and you're not just going through and people are just coming in buying things and, and there's a possibility of you sticking the cash in your pocket. So use sequential receipts and always reconcile your cash to your receipts. I think uh, this should be done probably on a daily basis uh, to where at the end of the day, you take all of those receipts, uh, you add them up, and you reconcile that out to your, um, uh, to your, uh, to your payment that you've received, uh, both from your merchant, if you're using debit and credit cards, and also to your cash. Uh, so if you're, you're dealing in cash, uh, make sure that you're, um, uh, that you're handling in a way that is, uh, that is prudent. Uh, the next part of this is to make sure that you never pay employees, contractors, or vendors in cash. And so uh, you're not running into a situation to where uh, you're out and you, if you have a construction company, you're, you're paying people in cash and then trying to write it off later on, okay? Um, to make sure that uh, you're receiving uh, invoices uh, from, your, uh, from your contractors, you're paying off of those invoices. If it's your employees, you're not paying them in cash. Uh, any sort of money that they uh, that they receive, it is reported and it is recorded on their on their tax returns. Or I'm sorry, on their on their W two and on their pay stubs. Okay, uh, number two, uh, just simply failing to file a tax return at all. So first of all, the first one common area the IRS uh, can look at uh, may look at it. Well, definitely will look at if you're in an audit scenario as far as dealing in cash. Secondly, just a, a failure to file tax returns at all. So this is just simply just trying to avoid the system, not uh, not filing returns at all. And, uh, but eventually um, it probably will catch up to you, especially if there's some reporting of your income to the IRS. And if you go years uh, without filing, the IRS can come to you and say, you know what, you, you are just simply uh, just acting in a fraudulent way. And so not only will they, um, will they uh, it's not a situation where you're going to jail necessarily, okay? Uh, but it is a situation to where you will face additional fines and penalties. Uh, you could lose your opportunity to be able to itemize deductions, for example. So if you decide you want to go back and they try to, uh, to prepare returns when the IRS steps in and says, okay, we're going to prepare a return for you. It's going to limit what you are able to do on that particular return. So I think it's extremely important that, uh, that you file your returns, try to file them timely uh, and accurately, and do it consistently. Number three, uh, filing uh, false documents, including false tax returns. So um, uh, just simply filing a, 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 a fraudulent tax return. Okay, a tax return that you know very well is not true. 
Okay, so, um, uh, so uh, or filing other types of false documents. So sending 1099s out uh, to try to overstate your contracted labor, for example. Okay, so just simply uh, using other tax documents to try to overstate expenses, for example. And uh, just kind of use other ways, just simply filing false tax documents, including false tax returns. Number four, understating income. And this is probably one area. Um, uh, so generally when it, you're running into a situation where there's a, there's an issue with the tax return. Usually it's understatement of income or overstatement of expenses. Okay. But understating income, make sure that you're, you're keeping your books. I, I mentioned this earlier in the cash section here, but make sure that you, you are keeping good books. In this day and age, we have the technology and there's plenty of service providers out there that can help you with this. Okay. To make sure you have good, clean books that, um, that, Everything is flowing through the bank account. That those bank account transactions are coming into some sort of a uh, some sort of a platform uh, that you're pulling those in. You're doing your bank reconciliations. You're doing all these things that should be done uh, on a on a daily, weekly, and monthly basis. And uh, so that way you have a good, clean set of books. It will make things much much easier if you come to a if you uh, get into a situation where you're dealing with an audit. Um, so make sure you're you're keeping your a, a good, clean set of books. Uh, that you are indeed invoicing your customers. Uh, we talked about sequentiality of, uh, of receipts. You're doing these types of things. Making sure that you're documenting intercompany transactions. So if you're in a situation to where you own a few different companies, those companies are providing services back and forth to each other. So if you, if you are going through and you have another similar type of company and one company is providing a, a service to the other company, maybe you have a marketing agency, a marketing company, and it is providing services to one of your other companies. Make sure that uh, there's an invoice there. That invoice gets paid. If you do need to transfer money from one entity to the other, make sure that it's documented correctly. Okay. So making sure that you um, uh, that you uh, uh, that you're not understating income, uh, that uh, all of the money transfers back and forth are handled correctly. Next, uh, keeping inadequate records. Understand what the IRS requires as far as record keeping. Make sure you're keeping all of your receipts. Uh, keep your bank statements, keep your credit card statements for timelines. We've talked about those timelines in, in a previous podcast, but make sure that you're you're keeping uh, those records. Uh, in, in generally, it's for three years after the filing of the tax return, unless you um, uh, indeed are committing uh, some sort of fraud. Then in that case, there is no uh, kind of expiration time. But uh, make sure you're, you're keeping all of your receipts. You keep your bank statements, your credit card statements, and make sure your receipts are documented correctly. This is one area where we see um, where we see individuals, uh, business owners, get into. I think get themselves into. I want to say trouble, but they end up paying having to pay more in taxes because they have not documented the records correctly. So it may be a situation to where they had the receipts, but they didn't document the receipts correctly. So if we're talking about uh, meals, for example, okay. So if you're going through and and it's good, you have a receipt that you went out to dinner, okay, and it has on there it has the food that you bought, okay. Uh, but you need to make sure on that receipt you need to document who you were with and the purpose of that meeting. So generally, it's pretty good to, um, uh, to you know, whatever was talked about or documented in that meeting that you had with a, with a client or with a team member, uh, with a vendor, whatever the case may be, that you document on there the, some of the things that were talked about. What was the, indeed the purpose of that meeting? So make sure that it is documented. Your travel. Make sure that your travel is documented. So you went someplace. Uh, so, you know, you... you um, you uh, went to a resort uh, and you indeed went there for, uh, you know, for maybe it was for a mastermind, for an education uh, um, a seminar, something to that effect. So you indeed, you went there, it was, it, you did have, there was a business purpose to it. Okay. And you were there for, you know, you were there for seven days. Okay. And you want to try to off, write off that entire trip, make sure there's adequate documentation there. You go down there and the seminar is one day and you spent six days on the beach and you say, well, I went down there for a seminar. Okay. You're, you did not keep adequate records. 
Okay. Um, and so simply you're going to run into a situation to where um, you're going to end up having uh, to uh, pay more in tax. So make sure that you're documenting your receipts correctly, understanding what is required and making sure that it's, uh, that, that those requirements are met. Um, make sure you're keeping your, your meeting minutes, uh, that any sort of uh, distributions that you make uh, to yourself as a business owner, uh, make sure that those are documented in meeting minutes. Okay. Otherwise there can be a reclassification of, of uh, distributions to payroll, for example. So uh, just make sure you keep your records and you keep your rec records in an adequate way. Uh, next, number six, uh, giving implausible or inconsistent explanations of behavior. Know what your what your business purpose is, why you're in business, and make sure your activities align and they are reasonable to what it is that uh, that you are uh, you are actually supposed to be doing as a as a as a business. Okay, so make sure your your actions are are consistent, uh, that they're they're reliable, that they're understandable, uh, and they're they're comprehensive. And so when you're going to, uh, you're having a conversation with a, with a revenue officer or a tax examiner or whatever it is you're having that conversation with uh, to make sure that, um, that uh, there is a reasonable explanation for why you did what you did, okay? At the point that it becomes inconsistent, it becomes uh, illogical, that type of thing, it's going to raise the ire uh, of, the, uh, of the individual doing the audit and it really can create uh, some complications for you. Number seven, concealing income or assets. Be really careful using offshore accounts. Okay, definitely don't be, you know, trying to move money around. So, um, uh, so, it, so you're essentially, you're trying to conceal revenue, money coming in and you're saying, well, it's money I put into the company where it was actually revenue, uh, you know, things of that nature. Uh, to make sure both in the business and also personally uh, that, uh, that you're not doing anything that uh, would appear that you were trying to conceal or hide income or conceal assets. Okay, so putting, you know, getting an asset and putting in, putting it into the name of something else, hoping that it doesn't get caught where it indeed really should be under the business and it's a business asset. Okay, and it, it is functioning. So you're going to try to put the asset somewhere else, generate revenue, not claim it. Those are the types of things that are, will get you in trouble. Okay, so make sure you're not concealing income uh, or assets. Uh, number eight, uh, engaging in illegal activity. I mean, this one's kind of pretty obvious. Okay, if you're, you're dealing in drugs, you know, uh, that are, you know, illegal drugs, Probably still good you file a tax return, okay, um, claiming the income, okay. But uh, but obviously, if you're you're engaging in any sort of illegal activity, you, you know that that's going to be. Um, and and we look back kind of in the big cases through the years and the fun cases to read through through the years are always you know talking about engaging in illegal you know activities. You know Al Capone. You know what do they get them on? You know right. Um, number nine, supplying incomplete or misleading information to a tax return preparer. So that's somebody in my seat. And uh, sometimes we um, uh, will we'll have clients that may get a little bit upset or annoyed because we ask a lot of questions, okay? And we do that in a really in a way to make sure that we understand what the client is doing and in a way that we can help the client, okay? Uh, but there are there has been situations, uh, I must say, that we've prepared a return and I found out later on that a that a client was just simply lying to us, okay, or misleading, okay? And, and, and it can be things that are maybe innocent enough. I drove 10,000 miles last year. Well, we know you didn't drive exactly 10,000 miles, okay? Uh, did you keep a record log, okay? Did you keep contemporaneous records as it relates to your, to your mileage, okay? Um, and, um, and so uh, sometimes, uh, you know, that misleading information can be, you know, seemingly, okay, well, this is about what I drove or this is about what I spent, those types of things. Uh, it's probably the, the best idea because that tax return is yours, Okay, it is not, even though you may have hired a preparer, you may have hired, you know, someone like myself or my firm to, uh, to prepare your return, that tax return at the end of the day is yours. You're responsible for it. Now, we have the responsibility of doing the best that we can to put together the best tax return that we can for you, and we'll work with you in strategies and those types of things. 
Okay, but at the end of the day, um, that tax return is yours. Make sure you're giving the tax professional, the tax preparer, uh, hopefully you're using a licensed preparer, uh, that um, that uh, the information that they need so they can prepare a return that truly does align best with what is going on inside of your business. Um, so, uh, But indeed, if you are supplying incomplete or misleading information to a tax preparer, the tax preparer goes and prepares the return. The tax preparer is not the one getting in trouble if they relied on the information you provided. Okay, you're the one ultimately that's going to be facing facing the issues. You can't say, well, you know, somebody else prepared the return. Well, no, you're responsible for it. Okay, we actually uh, had a client that didn't, uh, a potential client, not sign up with us uh, here in recent days because we tried to make that clear an engagement letter and they didn't like it. Okay, uh, so um, just understand that 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 return is ultimately yours. Uh, number ten, uh, providing testimony that lacks credibility. Uh, there may be times to where um, you may get questioned. Uh, and um, generally, if you're getting audited, if, if, if you were a client of ours, generally, we would not have you in the meetings uh, with, the, um, with the IRS. But if indeed you end up in that particular meeting or you're getting questioned in regards to uh, your activities, if you do give a uh, testimony that lacks credibility, that can be construed as, as tax fraud. So you always just, it's just best to be, if you, may, if you made an error, uh, just simply say, you know what, I, I did this and, you know, and, and understand that the consequences on this is a lot better than uh, giving misleading information. Because guess what, the, the paper trail is pretty usually pretty easy to follow if there's a lack of a paper trail. Um, then, uh, then you know, there, there's other situations, other possibilities uh, as far as a, a way to approach it. But generally, you're going to find yourself um, in, a, in a situation where you're going to pay more uh, if indeed uh, you go through and you try to, you know, uh, just give misleading information or a testimony that lacks credibility. Number eleven, uh, failing to cooperate at all with tax authorities. And so uh, the, that whole argument of, well, you know, the t- paying taxes is not is unconstitutional. Okay, that type of thing, that, that just doesn't fly, okay? Um, so just make sure, I think maybe the big takeaway, make sure you're filing returns, you're filing returns timely, you're keeping your, uh, you're keeping your um, records in a, in a way that, uh, that aligns with what the IRS really is looking for, uh, you're using a good set of books, uh, you're invoicing properly, you're keeping your receipts, you're documenting your receipts, and your business activities uh, do align with, the business, with your business purpose. If you're doing those types of things, if indeed you do end up getting audited, uh, most of the time, uh, business owners at some point, if they end up with a lengthy life, uh, life, um, business life uh, business cycle, okay, and they go through these business cycles a number of times, they're around for a while, they at some point uh, will probably end up facing some sort of, of an audit. And, uh, and it's not anything to be scared of necessarily, okay, unless, you're, unless you are indeed committing fraud. Uh, but, um, but it's one, it is, they are very inconvenient, they are a pain in the backside. Um, but generally, if you have somebody working with you, your tax professional is one that, uh, that understands how to work with the IRS, usually the process, even though it is a bit painful, uh, it can be one that uh, can be worked through in a, uh, in a way that uh, the, that pain can definitely be, be minimized as much as possible. Once again, this is Josh Belk with Belk on Business Podcast. Hopefully this particular podcast did bring you some value. If it did, if you haven't already, please consider subscribing. Have a wonderful day.